Our scripture reading this morning comes from Exodus, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 20. Um, on your pew Bible, it can be found on page 75. Um, so uh, we've been uh, journeying with the uh, Israelites through um, the promise to the promised land. Uh, we had a break uh, last week. Um, now just get caught up on where we are. Uh, we've been uh, delivered uh, from uh, slavery in Egypt. Um, the, the Hebrews are out uh, in the desert. They've been grumbling a lot. And now uh, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai. And they're uh, receiving um, the Ten Commandments. And uh, so hear now the word of our Lord. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thundering lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God may be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So, have you all heard of these things? Uh, they're called life hacks. Uh, you see them on the internet sometimes. They're like, like, like these little tiny tricks that are meant to make your life just a little bit easier. Um, like, uh, like if you uh, take nail polish and paint the ends of your keys so you can tell them apart. Little life hack, little trick makes your life easier. Um, then you know with, uh, to cut a cake, you can use dental floss. Really easy way to cut a cake. Um, 
One I've used before is uh, if you have an open can of paint and you stretch a rubber band around the metal, you can use it to get the paint off your brush and it plops right back down into uh, the can of paint. Um, these life hacks, they're, uh, they're supposed to make your life just a little bit easier, just a little trick you can use uh, to get things done a little faster. That's the spirit of it anyway. Uh, but sometimes people come up with a hack uh, that just uh, makes your life a little more complicated, uh, makes your life a little more cumbersome. I saw, I saw one um, earlier this week. Um, it was a Food Network video, and it was hilarious. And um, it, was, uh, it, it was this lady that observed that she had trouble spreading peanut butter on a piece of bread without like, tearing it. And so she came up with this, this real simple life hack. Um, and, and so here's what you're supposed to do so you don't tear up your bread with peanut butter. All right? You're supposed to take your jar of peanut butter and, uh, and uh, take a wooden spoon and spread it all over a piece of parchment paper. All right? And then you're supposed to take another piece of parchment paper and put it on top. And then you're supposed to take a rolling pin and roll the parchment paper flat. Uh, then you want to take this, uh, this parchment paper of flattened peanut butter and you want to put it in the freezer uh, overnight. And then you can get it out in the morning and you should have flat frozen peanut butter uh, in parchment paper. And you want to take scissors and cut them up into squares and then put them back in the freezer so that next time you want a peanut butter sandwich, you can just pull out a square of parchment paper and put some frozen peanut butter right on a piece of bread and you're ready to go. Um, presto, right? Uh, <laughs> the best part of this video is the internet can be an ugly place, um, but, but it can also be a wonderful place. And the best part of this video was the comments under the video. And I, I've just got to read some of these to you. They, they just made me happy. Um, one, one person said, and here I've been spreading peanut butter with a knife all this time like a savage. Thank you, Food Network. <laughs> Uh, someone else, someone else wrote, "Show me how to make ice cubes next. Be sure and post the recipe." Uh, someone wrote, "Mommy, can you make me a peanut butter sandwich? I'm really hungry." Uh, sure, just give me twelve hours. Uh, uh, someone wrote, uh, "If you're having trouble slicing an apple, just put it in the freezer until it's completely frozen, then throw it against a wall." It'll smash into a thousand pieces, sweep them up, and presto. Um, and then my favorite, uh, I made this recipe. It was great. I skipped a few steps and just spread the peanut butter directly on the bread. Life-changing. <laughs> See, what uh, this life hacker um, uh, uh, didn't realize or didn't take into account is a very important uh, principle of design. Um, the acronym is KISS. Does anyone know what KISS means? Keep it simple, stupid. Right. Keep it simple, stupid. You need to reduce things to, to its simplest form. Um, uh, the person who came up with the acronym KISS um, was a naval engineer um, named Kelly Johnson. And... Um, and Kelly Johnson was brought in to, uh, to these different um, Army and Navy engineering projects. And, um, and what he always preached is you need to design these planes or these boats or these vehicles in such a way 
that if something goes wrong, they can be repaired with whatever tools the person has on hand, uh, you know, during incoming enemy fire. It's got to be simple. Now, when someone's in the middle of a life or death situation and, 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 and the wing comes off their plane and they have to put it back on, they, they can't be calling Switzerland for some tool no one's ever heard of. Right? They've got to be able to, to make the necessary repairs with what they have on hand. And so he told people, keep it simple, stupid. Design things in such a way that, that they, they can be fixed uh, at the shortest amount of time possible with the fewest tools on hand. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, Albert Einstein famously said, make things as simple as you can make them but not any simpler, right? Find that sweet spot where things are as simple as they can be without making them any simpler. You know who I wish had kept the uh, KISS acronym in mind? Um, Whoever uh, designed this big folder of charge conference papers I've been filling out all week. I think, I think, I don't know, but I think and I believe in my heart there are really probably Five things they need to know in that, whole, in that whole stack of papers. And they could reduce it to a form that told them those five things they need to know about our church. I don't know. I'm not the kind of genius that gets to uh, design charge conference papers. But I bring this up because I think we find the same principle at work in the Ten Commandments. This kiss principle, this keep it simple, stupid principle. See, uh, I can't recommend this movie to you because it's a bad movie and none of you should see it, but maybe if in your sinful past you've seen a Mel Brooks movie called History of the World Part One, and um, there's a scene in it where Mel Brooks is, uh, he's, he's, he's playing the part of Moses. And Moses is coming down from Mount Sinai and he's juggling three tablets in his arms. And, uh, he trip, and, and he's saying to the people, I have brought you the 15. And then he starts to stumble and a, 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 a tablet falls out of his arm and shatters on the ground. And then he says, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny to think, what would be on that other tablet, right? What, what would you include if you expanded these Ten Commandments out to 15? Surely there are some good, good life rules that didn't make the cut. But there is a real simple reason why there are Ten Commandments. You know what it is? We've got Ten Fingers. You've got ten fingers. These commandments were designed by God to be easy to memorize. Why? You and I have this uh, wonderful thing that people have fought and died for. This, this, this thing called a Bible. This written book. right? This written in your language. So you can take it home and learn it and understand it and memorize it. People have died so that you could have this. But this is a relatively recent um, uh, development in religion. Um, The Hebrew people did not have the Bible in book form. 
what they had, if they had anything in their community, was, was what was called a, a, an ark. Not the Ark of the Covenant, but it was this box full of scrolls. And it was, in their, it was in their synagogue. And the rabbi would pull out the scroll for the day and read and proclaim the word of God to the people. This meant that any Bible you, as a normal person... Uh, we're going to, to know and understand you were going to have to memorize. You were going to have to memorize. And um, that's the whole reason, by the way. We talked about this in, in, in Bible study. That's the whole reason, by the way, your community would have someone like a Pharisee, right? Because uh, you as a normal person don't have the entire Bible memorized. And so you have lots of questions about keeping all these rules, right? And so if I'm walking down the street and my shadow accidentally passes over a carcass, am I unclean? What do I have to do? Um, do what kind of sacrifice do I have to make to make it all right again? And so you would go to your um, local Pharisee and, and ask them these questions and, and they would give you a ruling. Right? Because you didn't have this in your hands. In the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, um, the Torah, uh, the first five books that are the most important um, to the Jewish people you know, are part of our heritage as Christian. In the first five books, there are 613 laws. 613 laws that, that govern um, uh, what a person can eat, what they can wear, um, uh, how they make restitution if they, if, they, if they commit certain crimes. 613 laws. An average person could not have been expected to know all of those laws, let alone follow them. And so what the Ten Commandments does what God did for the people was to take those 613 laws and put them into a funnel and and get them down in there and then on the other side you have 10 10 easy to remember commandments easy to understand commandments see i was going to take you through all 10 of these commandments and explain what they mean to you and then I realized, you know what they mean. They mean what they say they mean. Don't murder, right? There's not a lot of commentary there. Don't do it, right? Don't steal. If it's not yours, don't take it, right? I, I, there's no, uh, there's no uh, Hebrew exegesis that's going to get you out of that. It means what it says it means. Um, murder in Hebrew is a word, um, uh, rasa, which means, wait for it, murder, Right? <laughs> Don't do it. There's nothing I can tell you that makes that easier for you, right? You can just take them all on face value because they're meant to be simple enough for you to understand. They're meant to be simple enough for me to understand. Remember that Geico commercial? It's so easy even a caveman could do it, right? That's what the Ten Commandments is supposed to be for us. Um, It's like this. I'm, I'm going to make a shocking confession to you all, and I just want you to brace yourself what you're about to learn about me. I'm kind of a nerd. All right. Don't all gasp at once. Um, I'm kind of a nerd, and probably the nerdiest thing about me, except that I like to read comic books, probably uh, the nerdiest thing about me is I'm really into um, board games. 
I really love to play board games and for me, like the more complicated and more rules, the better, right? That's just that's just the way I am. And um, there's this. Have you all ever played this board game? It's called Risk. And so you you divide up the world into countries, and everyone's got their armies, and they're rolling dice to try and take over the world. Well, there's this other game called uh, called Axis and Allies. And it's for people that think Risk doesn't have enough rules or that it doesn't take long enough, right? And so the whole thing with accessing allies is like everyone plays a different country at the start of World War II. And, uh, and their countries are set up in certain ways and everyone has different rules about how, how their country is supposed to operate. And you, uh, if you look at this rule book, it's glorious, right? There are chapters, right, on how to play this game. Um, there are tables and footnotes and annotations, right? This is a great rule book. Well, here's the problem. Um, if you uh, paid um, $50 for accessing allies, now you have to suddenly convince other people to play with you. And that's harder because they see this rule book and you start at chapter 1, verse 1, and uh, they start to check out. And so what uh, the creators of Accessing Allies did for you is they made everyone uh, that's playing with you this little card. And this little card is the cheat sheet. And this little card has uh, everything you need to know, right? And so um, if you're the United States, it shows you how to set up your board and it shows you um, what you do on your turn, right? So you've got one person at the table uh, that knows all of this stuff and can go, correction, and uh, pull out the rule book, right? Um, but then everyone else just has this little card that they operate off of, right? It's a very nerdy analogy, but I think it works, okay? So you've got the 613 laws, right? And you need those. But for the average person, the average person sitting at the table just trying their best to serve God, all you need is the 10, right? If you can just live within those limits, nine times out of 10, you'll be keeping the law. There's lots of laws in the Bible about, you know, if you, if you injure your neighbor's ox, here's what you're supposed to do. If, you, uh, if, 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 if your neighbor takes this, here's the kind of restitution that's supposed to be made. But if you just remember you're not supposed to steal those things will take care of themselves. There's all kinds of rules about what you're supposed to and not supposed to do on the Sabbath. But if you can just remember to honor the Sabbath, usually that takes care of itself. There's lots of rules about how you're supposed to treat your parents. But if you just remember to honor your father and mother, that stuff kind of takes care of itself. And so God gave us the gift of the ten, these ten simple principles. That if we just keep them in our hearts and lives, we're going to be right at the center of where God wants us to be. And um, the, the Ten Commandments divide up into two groups. The first is the laws about God. The laws about how you're supposed to treat God. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any graven images, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. These laws are about how you treat God. And then, because people just wanted to divide it in half, 
You've got this other fifth law about uh, honor your father and mother. And we really like to stick it over here with the, uh, with the honoring, um, honoring God part. And so uh, lots of interpreters through the ages have explained how honoring your father and mother is really about honoring God. And I think they have a point. Um, notice it doesn't say obey your father and mother, which you should do, right? But it's not actually what this says right here. When we're talking about honoring our father and mother, we're talking about two things. We're talking about honoring the traditions and the values that they have given to us. And we're talking about taking care of them in their old age. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about honoring your father and mother. And if you're taking those traditions and values that they have passed on to you and you're honoring them, then you're honoring God. You're honoring what God gives the people at Mount Sinai and that has been passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation. So that's one way we can get it all neat and tidy and have five on one hand, right? So, um, so we've got the laws about God and then we have the laws about man. How we treat each other. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not covet. And covet's the interesting one there, right? Because uh, it seems like um, murder, adultery, stealing, lie are pretty easy things to enforce. Um, how do you tell if someone's coveting, right? But I think it's there for a reason. See, I think we lie because we covet. We steal what's not ours because we covet. We commit adultery because we covet. A lot of murders start with the act of coveting. And so, so many crimes against God and against man can be prevented by not keeping idols and by not coveting. Ten simple rules. Was there anything in there that anyone here didn't understand? No, the hard part's doing it, right? <laughs> but it's 10 simple rules. You learned them in Sunday school. You understood them then. You understand them now. And then comes Jesus. There's this story about Jesus. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's the week um, that he's in Jerusalem. And, uh, and the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees are coming to him to test him, right? Um, they want a reason to charge him. And, and so uh, one of the questions they ask is, is, what is the greatest of the commandments? Now, this question sounds like a perfectly innocent question, right? But here's the thing. Whatever Jesus answers, what is the greatest of the commandments? Someone's going to say, well, why didn't you say this commandment? Right? You could say the greatest commandment is have no other gods before me. Well, Jesus, do you not like the Sabbath, right? Whatever Jesus answers is going to be wrong. Anyone have people like that in your life? Whatever you do is going to be the wrong thing. Um, and so Jesus is faced with this question. What is the greatest commandment? And here's his answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It says the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
In other words, the entire Hebrew Bible hangs on these two commandments. See what he's done here? He's taken the two tablets, the laws about God, the laws about man. He's taken the ten, he's put them in another funnel and condensed them down into two simple rules. Right? If you're loving the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, you're not making graving images. Right? You're not misusing his name. You're, uh, you're keeping the Sabbath holy. Right? That contains all those. And then if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you're not committing adultery. You're not murdering. You're not stealing. You're not lying. You're not coveting. That takes care of those. Right? Jesus manages to fix you know, all 613 rules into two simple commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. That's all you have got to know. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do that, you're going to be at the center of God's will. You're going to be right where he needs you to be. You know, um, people come to their pastors all this time, all the time. You know, is this a sin? Is that a sin? Can I do this? Can I do that over there? Right? And some of these are difficult questions that are hard to answer. Because it depends on what's going on in your heart, really. But I can guarantee you this. If you're loving the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and you're loving your neighbor as yourself, I'm 99.99999% certain you're within God's will. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to keep it simple. We've got to keep it simple. So, there's a uh, style of Jewish interpretation. It's called Midrash. And what the ancient rabbis used to do is like, if you ask me a question about the Bible and I were answering it, I'd probably start out by saying, well, what the Bible means to say is blah, 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 blah. Right? Well, what they would do instead is they would tell a story. Right? Um, So, uh, to answer a certain question, they would... They would answer the question by telling another story. And so what you wind up is with this, this large body of stories about the Bible called Midrash. And they're, they're just they're fascinating to read. And um, one of my favorites is a story about Moses before he goes up to Mount Sinai. And the way the story goes is this. And remember, it's not in the Bible. It's just a story to help us understand the Bible. But it goes like this. Moses is getting ready to go up Mount Sinai and he gathers all the people. And he says, I need you to agree to something. I need you to agree to accept a gift without knowing what's inside it. He says, God is about to give us the law and I don't know what these laws are going to be, but we need to all agree here that we're going to accept these laws no matter what they are. And so the people agree. And so Moses goes up Mount Sinai It's been seven days, and he comes back down, and he's empty-handed. And the people say, where is the law? And Moses said, well, I spoke to God, and he said, before he can give us the law, we need to give him a gift that shows that we are worthy to accept the commandments. So the people think about what gift 
can we give to Gog? And so they come up with, we're going to give Gog all our silver and all our gold. And so they send, uh, send Moses up Mount Sinai with a sack full of gold and silver. And he goes up Mount Sinai. It's been seven days. He comes back down. He's got the sack of gold and silver. He lays it down. Still no law. He says he didn't want that. He said you need to give a better gift that shows that you're worthy to receive the commandments. So the people talk and they say he must want a sacrifice. And so they sacrifice the best lamb they've got there in the community. Um, the, the absolute perfect specimen. They lay it on the altar. They sacrifice it. And they send the lamb with Moses to give to God. He goes up Mount Sinai. Seven days passes. He comes back down. He's got the lamb. Still no tablet. So God didn't want that. He didn't want the lamb. He said he wanted a better gift to show that we're worthy to receive the law. So people don't know what to do now. And so they're arguing amongst themselves. And there in the back of the crowd, there's a mother nursing a newborn child. And she says, you know what? I think the best gift we can give God is to promise that whatever these commandments are, we're going to pass them on to our children. So Moses goes up the mountain a last time. This time he's not carrying anything with him but this promise that we're going to pass the commandments on to our children. And seven days passes and he comes back down from the mountain and he's got two stone tablets glowing with the words of God. I love that story. It's not in the Bible. I don't want to confuse anyone. But it tells us two very important things about the commandment. One, they're a gift. They're a gift. And then two, we're meant to pass them on to our children. That's why they're so simple. We're meant to pass them on to our children. You know, whenever you start talking about Ten Commandments, people get up in arms, right? There's a lot of arguments about the Ten Commandments, like where we should be allowed to post them and where we shouldn't be allowed to post them. Um, You know, should we put them in a courthouse? Should we put them in schools? Should they be taught this or that? Uh, People put up the little placards in their yards. I support the Ten Commandments. You know what I think about that? I don't care. I mean, I know it's one of those things I'm supposed to care about because I'm a Christian, but I just really have trouble getting jazzed up about it. You know, there's so many other, like, important things going on. Because to me, to me, it is not the courthouse's job to teach the Ten Commandments. Maybe they used to, and maybe it was great when they did, but that's not their job. It's not the school's job either. Maybe it was great when they used to, but that's not the world we live in now, and it's not going to be. It is our job as a church. If we do not pass on the commandments to the next generation, no one is going to. The government's not going to do that for us. The school's not going to do that for us. That is our job to pass the commandments on to the next generation, to teach the people the way they are to treat God and the way they are to treat their neighbor. That is our job. 
and you look around the world right now. You look around our country right now, and you can only conclude that that job is not getting done. That job is not getting done. And we can blame the schools, we can blame the courthouse, but in my way of thinking, that falls on us, church, to teach the commandments to the children, to the next generation. That is our job, to take our children and say, listen, there are a whole lot of things this world is going to tell you is important. There's a whole lot of things this world is going to tell you to value and that is worth your time and that it is more important than God. But our God teaches to have no other gods before him and not to make an idol. There's a way the world talks about God that is crass and demeaning. And I'm not just talking about stringing the wrong words together. I'm talking about televangelists that get on TV and say, God wants this, God wants that, and they haven't prayed to God in years or their lifestyle would reflect it. And it is our job to take our children on our knee and say, do not misuse the name of the Lord. It is our job to teach our children to honor the Sabbath day. In a world that says work, 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 produce, 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 produce. Your value is what you contribute to say, our God says, take a break. Relax. Enjoy this life that he is giving you. Enjoy your family. Take a moment to savor God. It is our job to, to in the way we honor our parents, to teach our kids how they are to honor us when we are old. That's our job. If we don't teach them that basic respect, if we don't teach them that, 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 uh, that valuing of tradition, no one else will. That is our job. It is our job to say murder is murder is murder is murder. It is never right. It is always wrong. And you will not do it. Life is not a video game. You can't climb up to the top of, 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 of a hotel and just see how many people you can mow down just because it satisfies some sick urge in you. There are commandments. There is a law that comes straight from God. I don't care how good it feels. I don't care how how messed up your relationships are at home. You honor your marriage vows. You keep the promises you have made before God. It's our job to teach that. No one's going to do it for us. They're not going to get that by watching HBO. That's our job. It's our job to teach people to steal, even when it's easy not to steal, even when it's easy, even when nobody notices, even when nobody sees it, even when you think nobody's going to care, even when it's, it's online for free within grasp. It's our job to teach people we don't steal, we don't take what's not ours. It's our job to teach our children, no matter how high up they've risen in life, no matter what the nameplate says on their desk, you do not have the right to lie. 
You do not have the right to tell people things that are not true, to spread slander against your neighbors. You do not have the right to do that. There is a law, and it comes from God. It is our job to teach our children to be happy with what they have, to be happy with what God has given them, and not to be scheming to take what belongs to someone else. Not to be dissatisfied with their lot. That is our job and no one, no one is going to do it for us. So the challenge remains for us this morning. We live in a complicated world. I can't solve all the problems. You and I can't solve all the problems over biscuits and bojangles. We try. It's a complicated world out there. And God's telling us, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Teach your children to do the same. That's it. That's the ball game. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.